Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening. And Brian Plank. Good morning. Yes. It's always morning somewhere. It's always five o'clock somewhere. Isn't that the old saying, like, if you're having a drink and you're not meant to be having a drink because it's too early, it's five o'clock somewhere. You would know, Steve. I wish I did. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, yes, this week we're going to be talking about Batman vs. Superman. Uh, as well as some other things as well. Start off with a quiz. Oh, and you're winning 1-0. Why are you winning 1-0? Because um, of my mad rapping skills. Your mad fly skills, yo. Super fly, that's what they Mm. call me. Super freaking. Mm. Are you actually pretty fly for a white guy? I am super fly for a white guy. Vanilla ice is well gel. I'm cringing from here, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. Shall we move on quickly? Well, Brooke, you remember him rapping last week, don't you? I do remember him rapping last week. Good no one. one was well gel. <laughs> it was not Reem, was it? No. <laughs> uh, far from being Reem. Hmm. But anyway, shall we have a, another quiz so we can forget about my, yeah, my rapping? If, if I win, do you want the point if you rap again? No, thank you. No, I think once is more than enough for anybody's lifetime. How, about, power, how about a power ballad? <laughs> nobody, if people didn't want to hear me rap, nobody wants to hear me sing. Put it that way. Mm. Um, okay, I will start the quiz, though. It is sort of superhero comic book themed, in a way. I've got uh, a list of three actors, and you have to tell me the film that they are in together. So if I was to say Jeremy Irons, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, you would say... My secret sex seven. film. Oh. Your secret sex film, that's exactly what I've got written down here. Um, but they were also in Batman vs Superman, which is a comic book movie. AKA so, My Secret Sex Film. So that's how it's going to work. I've got a question for you to start, Steve, and then <clears throat> Brian, Brooker, you guys are on the same team. Okay, yep. first question, Steve. Gerard Butler, Lena Headey, and Dominic West. Um, 300. Correct. Point down. It's nice easy ones to get us started. Um, Brooker, Brian, Ron Perlman, Jeffrey Tambor, and Rupert Evans. It will be one of the Hellboys. Hellboy. Hellboy is correct. Yeah. So there we go. Nice and easy introduction to this. Steve... Your second question, Chris Evans, Jason Schwartzman, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, that's easy. Um, 
Is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was it's not think... the ginger Chris Evans, that's a clue. Well, no. no. It's not the new lineup of Top Gear, is it? No. Come on, that was worth a laugh. <laughs> Miserable bunch. Um, I think it's... Is it, is it Snowpiercer? It isn't. It's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh. Ah. Well, of course it's so, Eddie would be, wouldn't it? Of course. Brooke, uh, Brian, second question. Chris Evans, again, and not the ginger guy. John Hurt and Ed Harris. So that would be Snowpiercer. That <laughs> would be Snowpiercer. You need this question, Steve, to stay in it. You need to get this one right. Benicio right. Del Toro, Clive Owen, and Jessica Alba. The hell? That's mm. it. Right. That um, Sin City. It's correct. It is Sin City. Um, okay, final question. Guys, you can run away with this now. You can win. Is John Leguizamo, Martin Sheen, and Michael J. White. Oh, uh, Spawn. It's correct. You've won. Steve is 2 0 down and deeply regretting letting me take his point last week with a wrap. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the news. And the uh, big news we've got this week is uh, the return of somebody to the Predator franchise, Owen. Yeah, Shane Black, who um, I don't think wrote or, or directed, the, he definitely didn't direct it, but I don't think he actually wrote the original Predator film. Um, but it's very sort of closely. Um, knit with the actual franchise itself and he's been given the green light now to make his version of Predator with a new sequel called The Predator and he's been given a shitload of money I've seen contradicting reports to say how much money he's getting so I think most people are just guessing how much he's going to get to make this new Predator movie but I, for one, am glad. I really like Shane Black. I think he, it, some of the films he's made, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is great. I really liked Iron Man 3. I know it's a very divisive movie, but I did I did really like that. You know, of course, he at one point film. was... It is good, isn't it? I'm not on my own, surely. No, I know. Um, it's a great film. I think the problem mm. with Iron Man 3, or the problem with some people for Iron Man 3, is that the precious comic book nerds who get all upset about the twist in it. That's Can true. I say what the twist is or not? I mean, it's been out a while. It's been a couple of years. I think you're all right, man. Yeah. Yeah, they all get upset about the Mandarin not actually being the Mandarin, just being an actor. I mean, just... You can't be upset, yeah. you know. That's what, that's what all people were getting upset about, wasn't it? And I think, as well, tonally, it was quite different to the, the original Iron Man film. Um, I have to admit, Iron, Iron Man 3 took me like two watches to really enjoy it the first time I wasn't sure at all mm-hmm. the first time I watched it I thought it was a bit crap I really See, wasn't impressed I liked it straight off because it dealt with the repercussions of dropping a nuclear bomb on people and I totally had anxiety and panic attacks because that would yeah. mess you up mm-hmm. it's good to have actual repercussions based on a dramatic things that happen in films we might come back to that theme later on <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, because that big review, of course, later is uh, what, what else was it going to be? Batman versus Superman. Um, yeah, just going back to the Predator, will that yes. be set at Christmas? 
Yeah, it'll be a buddy cop film against the Predator with it's set at Christmas. This is all his trademarks, really. Lots of red and green lights in the background. Pretty much like a film noir. Yeah, that's, that's quite likely. But, you know, not many details have been released yet, other than the fact that Shane Black says he's well up for it because it sounds like the studio are actually backing him, giving him the money that he thinks he needs to make this kind of film. Did he use, did he use that term? Well up for it. <laughs> the press, the official press release, yeah, well up for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his new film comes out soon, The Nice Guys, and I know you were looking forward to it as well, Steve, with uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, that looks great. Awesome. It looks really yeah. fun. It looks more like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is fine with me. But, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that and see if it's any good. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news um, is really just that Batman vs. Superman is, is smashing the box office, as you may well expect. So this is hardly a surprise now, is it? No. no. Well, would you expect? Because the, the main sort of uh, controversy, I guess, over the film and its release is that there appears to be the impression of uh, critics versus audience that's being used, almost like marketing to fuel people to go and see the film for themselves. But because critics' reviews are being banded about as criticising the film very heavily and trashing it, and the audience who are going along to see it are saying it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's it's Batman versus Superman. It doesn't matter what the critics' review said. Everybody was going to pay to go and watch this film. I mean, do you think generally the the average cinema-going punter really pays attention to what uh, a reviewer says? Because look how much crap gets big money at the box office, and we'll come on to my opinion on whether Batman vs Superman is crap or not later, um, but what I'm trying you to say is... You've given away your opinion there. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but like, the likes of trans- there's been four Transformers films, all of them in crap. There's now going to be a second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. <laughs> that was going to be my one as the, well. The first one was crap. The first one was a bit fucking rapey. I no... I yeah, but, um, but you know, but people keep going to see crap. So do, people mm. cannot be paying attention to what critics are saying, or else they wouldn't be going to see it. Yeah, but sometimes there's a place for crap films in the same way there's a place for McDonald's. Not everything needs to be Michelin starred. I don't know, but in the, in the same way, some films are absolute drivel, and you can't understand why anyone would get anything from them, yet there's been four Transformers films and people are going to see them. And they're not good. There's no redeeming feature for that. You can go and see big blockbusters of the same kind of film that are actually good, like Mad Max. There's no real justification. So people go and watch it. People go and watch a film with a big name in it. People go and watch a film if it's about something fun, in theory, like Transformers. They'll just, they'll just go and see it. They won't think, well, Mark Kermode and some other bloke from The Guardian have said this film's not very good, so I'm not going to bother going to watch it. Well, we haven't had a no. Sex in the City 3, though, have we? Well, that's, that's, that's a special case on its own, I think. Yeah, you were very impressed with that, I heard, on your chick flick, pick a flick Oh, episode. it's just an abysmal film altogether, and while I didn't like the first Sex in the City, you can kind of see that it does have some points where you, you think, right, it's, it's, it's aimed at a target audience, but it's fine. And the, and the, se- the second one just seems like a parody of the first one. Anyway, yeah. we're not talking about that now. No, we're not talking about Sex and the City films. Um, <laughs> but no, the reason, I, I know what the point there is that, you know, people will ignore it. And clearly the evidence seems to support that. 
as well as now with Batman vs Superman, which has all, almost doubled its budget, which was extraordinary, or extraordinarily high anyway. You know, 250 million budget. They nearly made that back from domestic and international box office over Easter weekend. Oh, I mean, they have made that back. They've almost doubled about 250 million. I think it was 450 or something like that. It's well on track to make at least one and a half billion that film. And that's with more and more reviews constantly coming out that are trashing it. Um, have you seen the yeah. Onion uh, review? No, not review, but they did a piece to say Zack Snyder is now indomitable because he's made all that money. The critics haven't. He's made all that money. <laughs> therefore, you can't say he's done it wrong because he made the money. Yeah, they're very. It's, it's a different. Very good it's a different metric. If it makes money, or if it's any good. Yeah, no, that is that is true. But it has seemed to have spawned an awful lot of terrible journalism. Some of the stuff I read something on Mashable, which itself is about ninety percent god awful shite. Um, but was supposed to be something about plot holes. <laughs> a beautiful article. It was funny <laughs> because it was taking itself so like earnestly trashing the film for plot holes and saying stuff like, yeah, but Clark Kent's boss wouldn't have let him go off on a job like that and wouldn't have him assigned to a specific beat. And it's like, they're missing the point of the film, really. That's A, not a plot hole. It's just not. That's not what plot holes actually are. Are we, we going to talk about the film just now? Or are we going to do the earlier stuff? No, I'm just having a general moan about Mashable. Having a moan, right. <laughs> Because I think it's important to get the small bits to make the world correct. Like, to have Kent go, you're on the news beat, no, you're on football, no, you're on the celebrity beat for some reason. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in with what you want the world to be. No, you it, tend to it's have... Uh, a, 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 a big together very badly. But this gets left-handed. A big newspaper like the Daily Planet, you wouldn't be moved from sports to current affairs to whatever. You'd be a sports writer or a whatever. You'd you'd have your own specific thing, uh, topic, subject, whatever. You get someone who at least recognises the billionaire playboy that lives two miles down the road. Yeah. But anyway, we'll come on to our criticisms of Batman vs Superman later. I don't think we can keep them in. We can't keep them in. No. Um, we're going to have to for a bit. What we've been watching now, we have a look at some films we've seen in the last week that aren't essentially new releases. This is just one big new release that's going to take up all our time in that bit this week. Uh, Owen, what have you seen? I watched a screener for a film that comes out today. Uh, well, today when we're recording, Monday the 28th. It's called Jerusalem. And that's Jerusalem with a capital Z. Not Jerusalem oh with a lowercase s. Yep. Because it has zombies in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fame footage horror film, um, which I'm aware will put some people off it instantly. But honestly, it's, it's partly why I decided to give it a go, because I like the concept of fame footage horror, and particularly ones that sound like they're going to get creative within the genre. Uh, for example, I think this is the first to use Google Glass, or first that I've seen that uses Glass. I think there's been shorts that use similar sort of things, but I think there was one in the VHS films that used something very similar. Um, but this is the first I've seen that's used it properly. And have it automatically do like uh, facial recognition, 
and pop in characters' online profiles as the film's going on and gives you a glimpse of personality is much more preferable in this, what should be a fast-paced uh, film footage film. And then it's preferable that than having these horrid expositional bits where someone says, who are you, what do you do? And then they give you this spiel about their background and stuff. That's always tiresome, it's irksome. So this this has its advantages in in at least one sense. Anyway, the story behind Jerusalem is that two young women, uh, one of whom is grieving for her recently deceased brother, they decide to do a bit of travelling together, um, starting out in Tel Aviv. And on their journey there, on the plane over, they meet another traveller and anthropology student who convinces them instead to go to Jerusalem with him. It turns out he's a little bit of a uh, conspiracy nut and shows the main girl a video that he found from the dark side of the internet of some ritual where a woman turns into this like zombie demon and these religious folks shoot it in the head and kill it and blah, blah, blah. Judgment Day happens, winged zombie things start terrorising people of Jerusalem and they're trapped within the city walls. Plot. Um, the biggest issue with the film is not really what you kind of expect with these kind of films is the, the, the shaky cam and it makes you feel sick and dizzy. It's kind of actually not that shaky for a shaky cam. It's, it still it still does move a bit a lot, but it wasn't really as nauseating as I expected it to be. Instead, the problem or its biggest problem was that it spends about 50 minutes of the nine minute runtime and absolutely fucking nothing at all. It, I mean. It should have had, like, a rewrite, because the opening half of the film says nothing about anybody, that you couldn't have just got into a five-minute deduction. Because all they do is they go to a party, they drink a bit, they meet each other, they go for a walk, they go on a tour. It's just boring. There's no scares, there's no tension. Are you watching someone's holiday video? Is that Essentially, what it is? that's it. That is, that is it. Everything from Skype calls back to a dad to say she's doing okay to actually just walking around a cave. And I get the point that the cave is, you know, obviously this is where they're going to end up again a bit later, and it's fine, but there's, there's no reason for this bit of the film to take up so much of the runtime. It could have been a montage. To it. <laughs> Maybe a montage of their holiday, perhaps. But it could have just been just, you know, if the film had started at the 50-minute mark and they said, oh, you remember that trip where we went to that cave and they just had a quick flick through some photos using the Google Glass... Would have been suffice, you know. That's all it really needed. Instead, it just seemed to be a long period to show them partying, to have a glimpse of some tits at one point. A um, couple of conversations between the, the two of the main, the two girls, and a bit of light humour, I guess. But it's all the dialogue's really unnatural as well, which just takes away from it. And the, the so, quality of the acting and writing is just pretty low, to be honest. Has someone used all the fundraising for the film to actually go on a holiday? It seems as though that might, might be the case. Um, the action of the film is kind of squished into the final third. It's okay, I guess, in that at that point in the film. It's not boring. It's just a bit stupid. But, you know, people making stupid mistakes in a horror film is hardly anything new or, or worth even shouting about. Mostly, though, it's just the characters are quite annoying. It doesn't explain anything at all. You know... What are these demons? How is this disease, if it is a disease, spread? Why have some people been able to predict what's going on? What the fuck is with this mental institution that's randomly inserted into the story? 
what's really going on? Is Jerusalem the centre of this apocalypse? Is it one of the three gates to hell? Or is it just an outbreak of a weird disease? Just tell me something. Give me some information, please. I mean, I don't expect every question that it raises to be answered or for it to dumb down even further than it does, but some resolution would but have do, been... Do you need to know... Nice. Do you need to know what's caused the, the outbreak? Because, well, yes, if it's teasing that someone there knows. You know, it has characters who are introduced who are spouting conspiracy stuff. And if it was just like, there was just a bit more introduction to what's going to happen rather than a brief bit of text at the start of the film, a video that's taken from the internet, and then just them stuck in Jerusalem with weird angel zombie things, when it's clearly trying to put some relevance about or a metaphor towards like the absurdity of religion in it you know because it features islam it features judaism it features christianity um but it doesn't actually say much about them and i don't know whether it's poking fun at religion whether it's trying to make some kind of i don't know social commentary or political commentary on israel and its place i don't i don't know because it doesn't have any depth to it at all as far as i could tell they're just directors who are based in israel they're shooting a film where they live. You know, that seems to be it. And, you know, Israel, Jerusalem, mm, probably make it a bit religion. So if it was going to be a proper scary zombie film, then it should have been more emphasis, there should have been more emphasis on the creatures, on what was happening, and the, the sort of tension. There wasn't, there was no atmosphere. Isn't, isn't the whole point of a zombie film that zombies act as a metaphor for something? For something, They're not exactly. just empty monsters. Yeah. That's precisely what they should be. Um, but in this, if they were used as that, it's either far too sophisticated for me and it's bypassed me, or it was just really weak and they had no idea how to actually use them to critique anything. I, yeah. It, I don't know, and quite frankly, I don't really care. It's just basically, it's a step above something like The Pyramid, which I think you watched as well, Steve, if I remember rightly. I don't um, think I actually saw the pyramid. Somebody, the thing somebody, with some, a, yeah, somebody definitely the, reviewed it on here, but I don't think it was me. I I reviewed it on here. I thought it might have been you. Maybe it was somebody else then. Um, but that was just a truly awful film. It's a step above something like the pyramid, but it's not actually as new or unique in its concept as I was hoping it would be. So you well, know, if one, you know, if you're into fake footage films, maybe give it a go. But it didn't really impressed me too much to be honest the worst found footage film is easily the one that's on the moon and if that if this is worse than that that's done some some that's had some going it's um about on a par with that I would say <laughs> there's so a much of a film set on the moon yes, yes. um what's it called Apollo Apollo <clears throat> something yes it's Apollo yeah. and then a number <laughs> yeah, nineteen uh, maybe. I didn't oh, hate I that film. The one you mean? I yeah. didn't hate that film. Steve did. <laughs> you just ripped it to pieces on here. If I remember. Absolute dribble. I remember looking yeah. at it thinking that's going to be an absolute bag of wank. I'm not watching that at all. It was on Netflix for a while, so I'm sure it's duped a lot of people into watching it when they've got nothing else left to. I actually, to I do think my, sick my brother turned. My brother turned up in my house and said it was a really good film and I should watch it, which is basically my red alarm to say I'm never watching that fucking film ever again. Yeah, he's lying to you. Yeah. It was alright. Or he's an idiot. That's always a possibility. 
possibilities of facts. <laughs> but that's um, me, John. Yeah, that was yeah. that was called uh, Jerusalem. I have seen um, one of the. Uh, I'm well on on point with this one. Uh, one of the, the newest Disney Pixar films, and that was Inside Out, um, which I hadn't seen yet. Somehow it passed me by. Don't ask me how, um, because it had been given good reviews by pretty much everyone who's spoken about it on here and the wider reviewing. Professionals. Well, it was third in our end of year list, wasn't it? it yes. Was very yeah. Um, so yeah, it is about a girl called Riley who moves with her family to San Francisco, and the emotions in her head, uh, or her emotions, are actually well, not really like kind of embodied by characters. So there's joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger, and they all kind of control Riley. Um, and, her, and her emotions, obviously. And I thought, like everyone else did, it was fantastic. It wasn't... I don't think it was as funny as a lot of other Pixar films. Um, but I found it quite an enjoyable story. Um, and I thought it was quite clever in the way it looked at most. I thought, as well, Riley, even though it was a girl in the film, she wasn't kind of very, very girly. So she was kind of neutral in that way so the character kind of not perhaps appeal but related to both boys and girls and you could kind of relate that way to her rather than just thinking oh it's a girl so boys wouldn't be able to relate to it and that kind of thing and the emotion for someone growing up or moving did seem very real it did seem to be portrayed very well um and the voice cast as always in a pixar film was excellent yeah no i completely agree i thought it was I, very I clever loved it. Sort of yeah. yeah one of my favorite animated movies i, I adore it as a, a way of showing what happens when you've got depression, I thought it was really good. And and to do that in a child, a child's character as well, was was probably quite brave to show kind of de- depression in a in a child. But yeah, and its but, whole message about that it's okay to just be sad. Sometimes. Yeah, it's but like, I mean, perhaps it's perhaps it? perhaps it's helped kids because if if kids have watched this film and they're feeling in a similar way, and they've seen. This film has seen it portrayed how it has been. Maybe they have spoken to adults, parents about it, and kind of got themselves help. It seems strange talking about like children who have depression, but I suppose it can happen to anyone at any age. So, and obviously that's a probably a difficult age growing up and moving and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it looks fantastic. It does have some funny moments. Like I said, it's not as, as laugh out loud funny as as kind of some of the other, the other Pixar films, but. I think it works fantastically well. The story's excellent. Yeah, I think it's one of their definitely one of their best films for since I don't know, The Incredibles maybe. And it's a very completely different type of movie for them to make as well. And it's just a nice refreshing change from uh, the, the sequels that they're making that they know will make them all their money. They do they seem to be going. They, 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 they do seem to be going back to. Original for I mean, aren't, isn't the plan to do what like one original and one sequel a year or something like that now? I believe that's, that's familiar. Yeah, yeah. Was the good dinosaur last year? Yeah, it came out yeah. in November, I think. But nobody went to see it. It was a bit of a crap, and that was the yeah consensus. Pixar's next film is is Finding Dory, and then in 2017 they've got Cars 3 and Coco. Um, then 2018, Toy Story 4, 
2019 The Incredibles 2. Wow. That's what's planned at the moment. Looking forward to Incredibles 2, because Incredibles is one of my favourite films. The Incredibles, I was really reluctant to watch that at first. I thought it'd be a bit crap. And then it, it's, it is really good. It's like a... I don't know how they, they made such a good it, film. It, it's not a kid's film. It's a yeah. film for real grown-ups. Because it's got real grown-up things. Mm. It's a what dad's film. And a mum's film. Not a kid's film. Anyway, Brian, what have you seen this, this last time? I wanted to get in the mood for Batman vs. Superman. So I watched Kramer vs. Kramer. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I couldn't think of any other films that had verses in the title. Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, I don't really want to watch that. Cowboys vs. Aliens. Oh, that's rubbish. I've watched that. Yeah, that um, terrible. I, all I knew about Kramer vs. Kramer was it was a divorce story. So at the start, I thought, okay, this, she leaves him. I thought it was about custody, and I thought it was going to be them both saying, I don't want the kid, you have the kid, and this poor kid being stuck in the middle where no one wants him. It's actually about Dustin Hoffman, who is uh, basically the 1970s version of Don Draper, but but not as successful, learning to be a single dad, and learning to get used to having a kid around and sacrificing his career to look after his son, and then Meryl Streep comes back, and they do... I had it in my head as being a really vicious sort of courtroom drama. But I think it's one of these things where when it came out, it set a new standard. And because we've grown up after Kramer vs. Kramer, it stopped standing out to us. So it wasn't as revolutionary for me because I've seen lots of films like it beforehand. Mm -hmm. It was good. I think it's just one of these things that is... Not quite of its time, but other people have trodden that path, so it's it's lost all the effect, a bit of the effect for me. But I'd recommend watching it. Dustin Hoffman's good in it. The kid, the kid's actually good in it. It's not often you can say that about the film. Other films with verses in the titles got Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, uh, seen that. Mon- all right. Monsters versus Aliens. That's uh, all right. King Kong versus Godzilla. I'll well, be here all day if we do the Godzilla versus yeah. films. Fred, Freddy versus Jason. Tucker um, and Dale versus Evil. Um, the People versus Larry Flint. All right. Yeah, <laughs> but none of those things are as funny as saying I watch Kramer versus Kramer to get ready for Batman versus Superman. Well, no, that's just, yeah. Uh, and Brooker, what have you seen this week? I uh, I'll be really quick because I know Paul mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I because it finally came out on VOD. I've sat and watched Kill Your Friends again. Uh, and second time around, I still loved it. It's, you know, the, the story of uh, an A&R guy in mid-90s music industry chasing his next big hit and, you know, not caring who or what he screws over in the process. And it's, you know, it's a not quite two-hour, very, very dark comedy of, you know, American psycho proportions. It's, it's such a great film. I, I loved every minute of it. And yeah, second time around, I thought it was just as funny. I didn't like it as much. Like, I read the book, and I thought for a start, the book did the swearing better. See, I, I couldn't finish the book. It The book just pissed me off. Why's that? I don't know. Well, for starters, uh, spending several hours reading the book and Stell Fox being the hateful cunt that he is, I just I couldn't stand reading about him. I couldn't stand 
having him talk to me in that book. It was just annoying the piss out of me. There's yeah, just something I, about it I hated. I find him less charming in the film because he... The language is much more inventive in the book. It's like reading the thick of it, but about a psychopath. So I could tolerate him being obnoxious because the language used was funny. Whereas I didn't get that as much in the film, and it was just joyless and obnoxious, and it didn't have the the nerve to go along with a lot of things. I think I had the same issues with uh, American Psycho, the book as well. I couldn't finish the American Psycho book. I thought it was absolute guff. And I got about a third of the way through before I gave up and launched it back at the waifu. And not pages and pages from talking about Phil Collins. Well, yeah, this is kind of half the problem. Uh, but again, but the film I adore and thought it was absolutely amazing and very, very funny. I just, I don't know, I, I responded better to the Kill Your Friends film Probably more the fact that they got the whole thing over in two hours and it wasn't <laughs> long enough for me to get really fucking annoyed at, at the main character. But no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. The other, the other thing I find, if you're reading a book about music, you get to make up the music and it's fine. But if you're watching a film where something becomes a, a super-duper number one hit, but they haven't actually written a super-duper number one hit, that's a bit annoying and it feels a bit flat. I did. Find, I did get far enough in the book to get to the uh, the crazy German. Quite on you. I love it, and I was so glad they put it in the film because I was desperate to see how they were going to do it. <laughs> I thought it was great. Time now for the big one, the big review, and that is Batman versus Superman, the film that. Every single cinema-going, comic book-loving person has been waiting for for what seems like an eternity now. Ben Affleck is Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Henry Cavill is is Superman. Amy Adams is back as Lois Lane. And um, is it Lawrence Fishburne's back? That's the important thing. Is it Gal? Is it is it Gal Gadot or Gadot? I've heard both recently. I don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to offend her. Well, I no, don't think you pronounce the T. I think it's Gargado. I've I've heard both recently, but I've heard it without the T, and that sounds sounds better. Sounds like it suits her more. <laughs> um, but she's Wonder Woman, and Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor, and or Luthor. I've heard that pronounced Luthor as well. Um, in Batman versus Superman, and what did we all think of it? I thought it was two and a half hours of absolute drivel, and I wasted my life watching it. I hated. Every, the only bit I liked, and this isn't a spoiler, the only bit I liked was when when um, Alfred kind of explained why, uh, gave him a little way for our explanation why Batman's got like a really deep voice. When that Batman. was really cool. I liked that. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. about the only bit I liked. Oh, there, there's the best bits in it. I thought it's, if, if you took a cream egg and rolled it in shit, <laughs> there's a lot of good in there, but you don't want to lick the shit off it. Yeah. That's what actually, it feels actually, like. Actually, I kind of like the opening scene as well, which was which is taking place. Yeah, that was really good. Make a yeah. film out of that. <laughs> yeah, I kind I kind of like that bit as well, actually. But as as a fit, I found I thought it was it was boring. I thought the plot was just a bit too contrived in places and too convenient in places. 
I thought there was too many stupid things happening just to move the plot along. I wasn't excited. I wasn't ever on the edge of my seat, which is what Batman versus Superman should do. Maybe it's because I wasn't in the best mood that day when I went to see it. Maybe it's because it's two and a half hours long and it doesn't need to be. I don't know. But I did uh, not like you're, it. You're just one of these snooty critics, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who doesn't like Die Hard, who doesn't like Star Wars. Oh, no, that's not me. That's, that's me. You're there oh, in your studio happened? with your 5,000 pound laptops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, um, yeah, we've switched roles because I thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. Bowie Seeing okay. sad Ben Affleck only makes me like it even more, I'll be honest. I have liked that <laughs> video of, of sad Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what kind of question is that for an interview to ask? The reviews are a bit shit. What do you think? Yeah, it's um, it's a different technique to the ones that just kiss their ass all the time. Yeah. Uh, I quite like that Henry Cavill, I think, has just decided I sound like an arsehole on this press tour. <laughs> you think? Just say, I like having money. I get to go on holidays. Acting lets me do that. <laughs> I get to be Superman. He gets to be Batman. What's the problem? I you get know. to take the outfit it, home. It's not even that it. level. Just saying, I like money. I like spending yeah. on shiny stuff. Like, he doesn't care about it. From what he's been saying, he doesn't care about doing the acting. He mm. just like having money. Well, that may be, but I thought he was good in Man of Steel, and then I, I like Man of Steel. I, I saw it again before watching Batman vs. Superman. I went to the double bill. So Batman Superman was on a Midnight, and just before that, I watched Man of Steel again, both in 3D, and I really thoroughly enjoyed Man of Steel all the I, way through. I liked Man of Steel for all the criticisms it got. I liked Man of Steel. It was far I, better than this. Man of Steel has a lot going on in it, and people criticised the like final act for just being about 40 minutes of fisticuffs, right? But actually, there is stuff happening within that. The, 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 the whole concept of Zod, who is... It, well, he explicitly says, you know, Superman's taken his soul from him. The only purpose he was born for now is meaningless, and it's this guy's fault. And there's a lot that they work out through that, and it, I think it works. I, it perhaps is a bit overlong. The fact that half of Metropolis gets destroyed, and, you know, Superman is inadvertently responsible for the collateral deaths of about a thousand or more people is okay. I don't care. I think it works within the universe that Zack Snyder's built. And you could see from a mile off that that was going to be what comes into any any sequel was all of that destruction. And that's exactly where Batman versus Superman begins, you know, with Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne driving around in whatever... Range Rover, Land Rover model they were trying to flog at the beginning of the film. But it, it begins with him driving around a metropolis being destroyed by Superman and Zod having this big fight. And his I... building collapsing. And I think it, it's a good setup for a film like this. Yeah. It is you if you want Superman to be the villain, because he totally is. But you but can't... even if he's not the villain, he's just the person who Batman views as responsible and is, you know, Dangerous, and therefore yeah, it's his responsibility. I was totally on board with Batman from that bit on the ground that this guy's a monster. He genuinely mm. is. He killed all the people. He didn't care about it, and he has to be stopped. And then it flips. It says, "Nah, actually, he's all right." But it doesn't do it in any sort of 
nuanced way of thinking here's what it's about. It's just, here's a good bit, here's a bad bit, here's a bad bit, here's a good bit. It was a, yeah, it was a bit choppy. Well, um, I mean, we'll come on to, in spoiler alert, why, why they suddenly became friends, because that was ridiculous. Um, mm. No, but it wasn't. It's the best plot twist ever. Oh, it, yeah. It was <laughs> so bloody, yeah. Oh, anyway. Uh, I, I Brooke, thought, what, I, what did you think of it? Because, I mean, you've been I, a bit quiet. Um, I thought it was just two and a half hours of... Nah. I don't even hate it. I, I think that's the problem. I don't even hate the film. I, I, and I went in, as much as I hate Man of Steel, I went in <laughs> and I went in wanted it to be good. And it was just boring. I sat and I've watched it twice now. I went back to see it again today. So, you know, I, I've sat through it twice. And I thought maybe I, maybe I was really tired the first time because it was a midnight showing and, mm-hmm. you know, they still had 30 minutes of adverts on before a two and a half hour long movie at fucking midnight. Arseholes. 3am before I got home. Still but, time to buy a Coke, Brooker. Still time to buy a Coke. Yeah. I, well, you know, the cinema room, my popcorn. I two pissheads sat next to me who smelt like a pub toilet. You know. Seriously, one of the, this, two, this pair of dickheads sitting next to me were going on about how it's their family legacy that they've watched every Superman film in the cinema. Really? They were younger than me. Wow. That's a legacy. That's not a legacy. That's just going to the cinema a lot, you fucking assholes. That, that's a habit. It's a legacy that they hold so dear that both of them halfway through stood up and loudly pronounced, this is bollocks, and left. <laughs> <laughs> the, worst thing, the worst thing in my, my script, what, what rating did the film have? Was it 12A? 12 Right, so in the screen I was in, there was a couple of dads sat behind me with their kids who were like, not toddlers, but like, what's, what's the stage above toddlers? Kids. Preschool. Yeah. Like, like, probably like six or seven or whatever. And the this film is. It isn't. They didn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's just like. And then, the, and then the girl sat down the end of the row for me with her boyfriend. She didn't shut the fuck up as well. And she sounded pretty thick. And it was just irritating. <laughs> she liked food, just, food in the red cape. It's not quite as bad as that. But, it's not, but like the, the, the worst cinema audience I've been in was Les Mis because people kept bloody singing along. This was second worst. Oh, my God. I was in <laughs> Les Mis, and I, li- I liked the new Les Mis film. I, I thought it was actually pretty good because um, from somebody who doesn't like musicals and, and somebody who'd never seen Les Mis before, I have a musical or any film adaptation version of it. I, I enjoyed it. But I went to the cinema, and people were bloody singing. The, the worst it, one I've been to was the opening night of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix mm. in America. Yeah, and wow. they say, when the opening comes up, the boo West tape comes on, my mum, who's a lovely woman, nearly strangled the man in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, Brian, that you're just a muggle and don't appreciate these things. No, I like the film, I just don't appreciate Americans. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> But, you know, I've been into, like, films like Fast and the Furious, where you expect to be full of whooping, chavvy dickheads, and it hasn't been. Or it has been, but they've actually been well-behaved when the film comes on. comes on, they shut up, phone's away, brilliant. So Lame is the first worst, this was the second worst, due to thick women and people (laughs) bringing kids in that were far too young to be in there. You wouldn't shut up. I sh- these films shouldn't be allowed to be released at half-time because it ruins them for me even more. The worst audiences, though, are horror films, I think. 
if you well, if you go and see a, a horror film with a proper horror film audience, then it's fine. If you go and see, you know, Sinister Two, or, or the Forest, or the Forest, and you've just got, afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've just got a, a gaggle of thirteen teenage girls who just sort of like thirteen year old teenage girls who just scream on purpose at absolutely nothing just to wind each other up. That joys. Well, they, they just they shriek at everything, scary or not. You know, it annoys you because I was yeah. trying to get some sleep. You know. <laughs> yeah. What a bunch of snobs we are. Mm. Oh, anyway, anyway. Uh, we are the horrible snooty critics that have panned Batman. Oh, yeah, we're, we're part of the problem, not the solution. I just yeah. don't. I just don't want there to be people in the cinema while I'm in. I tell you what, I do like in the cinema: an ice blast, Tango ice blast. They're good. <laughs> lemon ones, right? Mm. I do like they're, lemon ones. They're very refreshing. Um, Firstly, going back, the, the first, the, the worst audience I've had was I went to see Gravity, and I well up for Gravity. I know it starts with it's silence and it's black, apart from the chomp, chomp, chomp of everyone around you. <laughs> My worst one was Hancock. I think went to see it with the wife, and there's this collection of kids sat behind us. Like a mini fucking G unit, all, all repeating the lines a second after they've been on, for the entire film. And, oh, I the most the most annoying one I ever had was it, it was an em, it was empty ish screening, hardly anyone else in there, and they hadn't allocated seats. Just just, just said, oh, sit where you want. So that whole empty screening, sit where you want, choice of seats. Someone comes and sits right next to me, literally next to me, in the seat next, not even a seat space in between. <laughs> I was so annoyed. I could not have been more annoyed. The annoying thing was, as well, he got in, like, as the film was starting, so it wasn't like the trailers were on. I thought, right, well, I'll pretend I'm going out for a drink, and then I'll just go and sit somewhere else. No, I couldn't do that. The film was just starting. He comes and sit right next to me with fucking more food than you can imagine, stinking, and just fucking, <laughs> why would you do it? Just he was why? To make friends, Steve. If he was trying not, to be your friend. I don't. What time of day was it? I uh, it, it was daytime. Like it wasn't evening. Right. Have you watched Mad Men? No. Right. There's a Mad Men rule about cinemas, which is the, the characters in the cinema they're going during the day. So look around the audience. One says, "You know what's going on here, don't you?" He says, "No." Hand jobs. And then two <laughs> scenes later, one of the characters goes to the cinema in the middle of the day, and the next thing you see is her in the bathroom washing her hands. That's what he said he makes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Steve didn't deliver. Anyway, back to the film uh, of Batman. Got to. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, actually, I did, I, even though I didn't like the film, I did like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Affleck's really good, isn't it? I thought, I thought, he, was, I thought he did very well in a bad film. That's um, why he's so sad, because he's done really well, and everyone else has let him down. What would happen yeah. if they'd have let him direct? If he said, piss off, Snyder, you do no good with films. Yeah, it would have been a good film. He's doing the Batman film, I believe he is doing the Batman film. He's directing let, the Batman film. I just let him do it. Imagine how good that would have been. It would have been better. I would have enjoyed it. Um, But all of the best bits in the film were with Ben Affleck, and that, you know, you can't just completely write off Zack Snyder, because... 
the bits that you liked you don't want to give him credit for. Well, no, I, I, no the whole, the whole film I didn't like. I just thought Ben Affleck was a good Batman and Bruce Wayne in a bad film. Right, just talking about writing off Snyder, you know how last year we had Ant-Man, which had two directors? Yes. If you had told me the production history of the film of Ant-Man, if I said it was about this one, I'd have believed you. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's two films that they've jammed into one. It's about, it's sequel, it's about three films. It's a prequel, yeah. and it's trying to be back. So three films, sequel, yeah. prequel, and Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. That they're trying to make a coherent film and they haven't. It's like they've tried to smash together a, a Batman film, a Superman film, and a Justice League Origins film into one film. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's basically yeah, it's 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 the fact that it what should have happened is it should either have been Superman versus Lex Luthor or Superman versus Batman and no Lex Luthor in it at all, or just a Batman film. And instead, yeah. because they put all of them together, so the, the fact that Lex Luthor's motivations appear to be very similar to Batman's motivations, that they need to get rid of Superman because he's a threat, a danger. Okay, they've got slightly different, you know, <laughs> ways Netflix. of going about this. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, the same thing is still there. The same strand runs through the film for both of them. They both want rid of Superman. Take a minute um, to acknowledge what may be the worst Lex Luthor in the history of Superman films. I well, didn't I think he was good. That much. Yeah, I thought he was he was good, but in the wrong film. Um, it didn't really fit in with this, you know, presentation of Superman and Batman. He was just a bit too neurotic. Um, to really feel anything like A, you like any Lex Luthor that I've read before, and B, anything that would suit the kind of character that would play off this version of Superman. He looked like he was trying to channel the Joker. Yeah. I don't really think Captain the, the bit for the party, before they do that, all oh, my two favourite men together, you do not want to pick a fight with this man, I thought. Did, did no one watch that before they released it? And then put it in the film? They do try and slip in a lot of that bit, of, you know, that sort of dialogue of, you know, all oh, these two are going to fight later. Wink, nod, nudge. You know, you know, this is a line that means they're going to fight in a bit. This is what you're waiting for. Um, which was getting a bit annoying and repetitive, and didn't actually add anything. It didn't make it any more. It didn't build up any hype towards the big inevitable, you know, fight between. As everyone, including folk at home, seen the the funny or die skit from like seven years ago was John Hamm playing Lex Luthor. I have not. Yeah. Nope. No. He says, I'm Lex Luthor and I'm asking the government for a hundred billion dollar bailout to kill Superman. <laughs> Lex Luthor yeah. bailout, funny or die, Google it after this, it's quite good. Okay. Yeah, I um, mean, the, the, yeah, the, the thing about um, Ben Affleck as Batman he, is the, the kind of Batman character he was going for, I think. It was very different to the other kinds of Batman that we've seen before, um, certainly in live action films anyway, because it was more like a, a Frank Miller psychopathic Batman who's not a, not exactly, I mean, would you say he's a murderer or is he just doesn't Zach give Snyder a shit if people not. die anymore? Have you seen the Zack Snyder interview? No. Like, he doesn't uh, kill yes. people. Just because he shoots a car and someone's inside it, 
That doesn't make Batman a murderer when that car explodes and kills a person. Yeah, when it flips and lands on another car. It's, it's kind of more like manslaughter than it is murder. No, Zach, no, it's not. It's a weird line to draw for a comic book movie. But mm. then Nolan's Batman films had the same thing. Yeah, you know, I don't I, have I, to I, save I, you. I don't have to save you. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, the that's whole thing, essentially the, whole the same thing, logic. Well, I don't know. The whole thing of I don't have to save you is different to blowing up a car full of people in it. It's like, I'm going to shoot these bullets, and if you stand in front of them and get <laughs> killed, that's not my fault. It's that Simpsons episode. I'm going to just kick the air, and if you should happen to feel that air, <laughs> it's your own fault. Well, I'm just going to swing my arms like this. And if you get in the way, it's your own fault. Yeah. Well, Pi, I'm just going to do this. And if you get in the way, it's your own fault. That's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. yeah. Do we have much more we can say about spoilering it? Uh, I do think it's, I think it's probably my favourite, not just Batman slash Bruce Wayne, but I really, really love Batman plus Alfred in this. I'd like, yeah, I think I, Alfred was was quite good. Jeremy Irons was quite good as, as I Alfred. Think, I think Jeremy Irons was excellent as as Alfred, and not taking anything away from from Christian Bale and Michael Caine, but I re- the pair of them on screen, probably my I think it's probably my favourite Batman and Alfred on screen pair. I'm not sure he's going to be asked back because Jeremy Irons did not have a lot of fun doing it, and he's made that kind of clear in the interviews. <laughs> and that would be a real shame, because I thought he was excellent. That's quite a lot of contempt going on. Yeah. He was basically Jeremy Irons, as far as I could tell. It <laughs> didn't seem like he was doing much acting. Um, but at least, it, you know, the, the opposite of that would be Michael Caine's wobbly-lipped um, overacting, which I was glad to be rid of. Affleck is A, absolutely massive. Huge. Really good at all the Bruce Wayne stuff, um, and a lot of the best bits, like we said, come from him. Like without spoiling too much, the bit where he uses Superman as a wrecking ball—that's amazing. Yeah. The bit in the the warehouse fight, where he's it's genuinely vicious. I've taken a page out of the Daredevil book of how to do superhero fight scenes, in that everyone's leaving with brain damage. Because they had yep. their heads smashed through a table backwards. That's awesome. It, as far the, as it was vicious action. That's really cool. But they the, they are going to release an R-rated version, supposedly, aren't they? Mm. Presumably, one yeah. where they have an pixelated. Uh, yeah. I, one of the things that really annoyed me, actually, just just remembered, is the dreams sequences. And I get why they're there because they're showing how like mental Bruce Wayne has become. But the fact that he become. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely when it was dreams within dreams, because that was the mo- that was the biggest mistake in the film for me. It was absolute nonsense and Inception. It, it wasn't even Inception, or was it? It was just like he's woken up from a dream and he's still in a ah, dream again. Yeah, no yeah. jokes, tricks you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, okay, because it's a setup for the next film or the Justice League film, but it kind of did make it look like it was a dream within a dream. Either that or he immediately fell asleep again after that sequence and then woke up with a start for no reason. Maybe, maybe. You just don't know. Um, What did we think about Henry Cavill then? 
Because we've talked a lot about Ben Affleck, um, but not really. Like, he's he's he was there. fine. There, he's there's a bit in it, I think it's during the fight, where he flies away and he does a smell the fart face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's the bit where Batman says, do you bleed? You will. Cavill pulls a fart face and then flies off. Yeah. He wasn't so good he in this film. He doesn't get a lot to do because mm. there's no story. He, he's a prop. He's not a character. He's a prop in this story. So he exists to be there and to punch things and to be punched. He'll develop. Which is uh, a huge shame because in Man of Steel he was good as at Clark Kent especially. You know, in the first half of that film where he's the drifter Clark Kent who's trying to learn about where he's from and all the stuff with his dad and, you know, that's really, that is a really well-written Superman character. In this, he's sidetracked in what should really have been his sequel. His name is in the title, but he feels like a secondary character. Uh, this film feels like it's really insecure. Like mm. they've got, okay, big yeah, the Superman, Superman, but that's not enough. Mm. We do this, but what mm. if that's not enough? If they didn't have faith in what they had, so they add in a ton of stuff more and hope for the best. And one final character then. What about uh, Lois Lane, Amy Adams? Oh, just basically the main slash only real female character in it because Wonder Woman's not really a character in this. She's just a Weapon. hero who props she up at the end. Yeah. All right. Just, just land. Pretty bland. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. I do know one last thing I do want to say before we... I know we're trying to swiftly move on to the, the spoiler alert section. One last thing. People who were moaning that because they'd cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's dad, therefore, oh, it's just going to be another origin story and we're going to have to have everything explained again and everyone was like up in arms. It's reduced to about a two, two and a half minute opening credit score. Which I thought was great. I thought it worked really well. It was like a lot, a lot like the Watchmen opening credits in many ways. That Zack Snyder was also behind, but it got that whole bit of the story, which it perhaps didn't need to do, but it was inevitable that it was going to do it at some point. At least it was out of the way within the first five minutes of the film. Yeah, I thought it. You know, people who were worried that it would be an origin story needn't needn't panic. It's not. It didn't need to be done, though. Like, everyone knows the Batman origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a short, it was two minutes, but two minutes you could have done something else with. You could have done a Luther origin story. You could have done a Metropolis grieving story. They said, it's, you know the Batman stuff, what well, I want to do in my bit now. It, well, it definitely set it up as a Batman film, more than a Superman film, because you knew straight away that, who the main character was going to be. Yeah, but it didn't introduce this Batman. It introduced the Batman of 30 years ago when he was a little kid. In a dream sequence, who can fly through tunnels because of bats. Or float through tunnels. Someone said that David Goyer has a list of cool ideas and says, put these into a film. <laughs> that's, that's what this is. That's what that was. That was a cool idea. I want to mm. see a really slow motion bit with the pearls, because you have to have the pearls. Yeah. I'll get my pals and watchmen in, that'll be good. And then yeah, that'll we'll fit that in somewhere, don't worry about it. 
Right. Well, um, before we move on to spoiler alert, what recommendations have we all got for the week ahead? I'm going to start us off with the Telebox, and on Thursday on Film 4 at 25 to 5 in the afternoon is Hugo. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Hugo's all right. Yeah. Owen? Uh, also on Film 4, but on Saturday at 9pm is Ridley Scott's classic sci-fi horror, Alien. Just great film. In fact, I'm, I have set it to record because I, I intend to watch it again, and for some reason I don't have a DVD or Blu-ray of it already some reason. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Okay. Classic horror. Brian? I went looking on Netflix. They do have Phantoms, which is Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah. And Affleck's yeah. Apartment Phantoms. They do have Changing Lanes. So if you want a film with Ben Affleck about a petty rivalry that's needlessly escalated, you can watch that. It's him versus Samuel Jackson. They have a traffic accident and then decide to ruin each other's day to the point of nearly killing each other. <laughs> okay, Brooker. Uh, mine's on film four on Thursday at ten to eleven. Is the British prison film Startup with Jack O'Connell? Oh. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so if you don't want Batman versus Superman spoiled, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next week for another Bell Critics. Uh, if you do want to know a bit more about the film in detail. Uh, some of the finer plot points, etc., and carry on listening at this point. So, Batman vs. Superman, let's spoil it. I think the stupidest thing was, oh, my mum's got the same name as you, now we're mates. Because <laughs> it was literally that, because when he went and saved Superman's mum, he was like, I'm a friend of your son's. No, you're not. You were trying to kill him two minutes ago. You're not a friend of his. You just you met someone, you're helping her out because it's mutually beneficial. You might be mates at some point. You aren't at the moment. And just because... It's, uh, why do you keep saying well, it serves to it serves to humanise him in Batman's eyes, doesn't it? Because sh- as we talked about earlier, he, he sees him as a monster, as a threat, and if there's you know if there's one percent well, chance that he's dangerous and could wipe out humanity, he has to be taken as an absolute certainty. Therefore, Batman sets out to destroy Superman, and then of course during the fight he realises he's not a god, he's not a monster, he's not there to cause havoc, he's just a person who cares for other people, a much like he does. Yeah, and has a mom, and the mom's name is Martha. Although he doesn't doesn't say his mom, does he? He says Martha because I don't think he wants to give away his identity to Batman. Yeah, but he but just then, says Martha. Then um, Lois Lane gives it away, doesn't she? When she comes, the, oh, yeah. And yeah, in, in, the com- in the comics, <laughs> in in the comics, is Superman's mom called Martha? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that just seems like a stupid thing to start with. Martha Jonathan. Kent and Martha and Thomas Wayne. That that just seems a bit daft to start with, doesn't it? Well, they weren't originally both created by the same comics company. I'll let let them off then. (laughs) But yeah, um, that was just one of many stupid... It's it's a lot of of unearned moments. Um, Mm. I think the, the review I gave beforehand said it's all fucking no foreplay. Because it wants to get <laughs> to the exciting bits without doing any of the hard work for it. 
which yeah. means none of it has any meaning or any impact or any sense. It's just smash, 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 and on to the next bit. It very much takes of the opinion that the audience are there to watch Batman and Superman kick the shit out of each other. That's what it assumes people want, and that's what it tries to build up to. And then, of course, that happens, and... You know, the fight is pretty spectacular visually. There's a lot of good stuff going on in that action sequence. I think, um, similarly, the action sequence that follows it, which turns out to be the big actual fight of the film, big climactic action sequence with Doomsday, who was crap, that part of the film is where I really just lost a bit of interest. I was fine when it was, when it was building up to this Batman, excuse me, Batman versus Superman bit. And, you know, the kryptonite spear and stuff. Okay, there's probably, you know, logistically easier ways for him to have killed Superman. But it made a great little action skit. It was just the bit when it got to Doomsday. And then it was just like every other comic book adaptation that has these stupid, undeservingly long. You know, we keep using the undeservedly, the word undeservedly. But that really long fight, it was just like the, the Incredible Hulk or... Uh, um, the last Avengers film that suddenly Age of Ultron which was just a big fight at the end and it's just boring it's tedious it's tiresome it doesn't actually have anything particularly interesting to say all it has is and no Wonder Woman is part of the team here's your trinity ta-da so but just, we don't care like, about her because we haven't met her yet they well, want exactly, the Avengers yeah. they want to have a group like the Avengers yeah. did but the Avengers started off by saying here's Thor here's who he is Here's Captain America, here's who he is. And he's just gone, here's like a bunch of people. This is half a man who's also a robot. You should care about Cyborg. You, you mean you don't, you're not convinced by the uh, the origins of three YouTube videos that these guys have, <laughs> are uh, reserved to halfway through the film? Well, the, the, the Flash got slightly longer on screen, didn't he, than the others? So, okay, the other thing with the Flash is because... Warner Brothers do the films and DC do the TV. So we've got a, a character who's got two years of TV behind them. Mm. He's not going to do the films. They get Chin Pubes Man to do it instead. So again, they're ditching all of the support they should have behind it to start their own thing that they don't know how to do. Mm. But he came back in. He came back in time, didn't he, to warn Bruce? Yeah. Hero in Heroes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a lot like that. So he's setting up Darkseid, isn't it? Yeah. Darkseed. Well, I, I don't know the comics well enough. Obviously, Lex Luthor at the end going a bit cray-cray was, was setting something up. was implying somebody's coming. See, I, I do know the comics stuff, and I got all the stuff they're doing. Yeah. It just didn't make sense for them to do it that way. Well, yeah, so now we've got, as well as this impending Darkseid, um, Darkseid Justice League, it's yeah. a galactic kind of war thing. We've also... No one cares about that. No, nobody does at all. And it's... Uh, as well as that, Thanos in Marvel is pretty much going to do the same thing anyway. So it's yep. just going to be the same thing. But the... Um, isn't Thanos a copy of Darkseid? Isn't that... One's a copy of that. I don't remember which came first. Yeah. But um, uh, the other thing it does is the death of Superman, Right. So there's all these comic book storylines that they're trying to force into one movie that actually, it's just too many. It's too convoluted. The, 
the fact that Superman sacrifices himself at the end is too late. If it was going to be a sacrifice... No, it's not a sacrifice, it's a fuck-up. It is, yeah. He just bullsies it up. And um, we've also got the death of Robin in there mentioned briefly as well, haven't we, in the film? Yeah, they've they've just spaffed a lot of good things out, which means they can't revisit them again. And then the the question is, which Robin is it? Jason Todd, you'd assume. Uh, They've cast a girl Robin, but she was cut, haven't they? Yes, they have, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I just, yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know who it is, but they have. Anything else anyone wants to say about this mess of a film? Um, <laughs> I think so. it's, it's been edited really badly and bits come in where they don't belong. When the audience is getting ready for this big Batman vs. Superman fight, they jam in the trailers for the next Justice League film. And yeah. that's not the place to have it. You have that at the end as your, we need someone else, here's who it's going to be. It, it doesn't give either moment the, the space it deserves in the film. And also talk, right, I know Howard's had lots of folk being really picky and snide about small bits, but if you watch the bit where Superman walks into the Capitol building, this is a god, it's a mass murderer, it's a saviour, and people don't even turn around to look at him when the door opens. Mm. So the director has sat and watched that, he's seen extras continuing a conversation, and gone, no, it's fine. It seems so slapdash in how they're actually telling the story. Because that's not the cool bit. We'll do this boring bit to link it, and then we'll do the fun bits. And they've not given anything the respect it deserves. But that is just the only set piece they've put in there to make Luther look like a bad guy, isn't it? I mean, the, the yeah. jar of piss on the table, I thought, they're not going to use that to show Lex Luthor's a bad criminal guy, are they? Just that he's left a jar of piss on the senator's desk, and then obviously the bomb might not. There, were, there but, were people in my midnight screening pissing themselves laughing at that. I think I must have been the only person that but this isn't funny. Lad, it's a jar of piss. I, yeah, it wasn't... <laughs> I don't know what the actual aim was. You know else was stupid? Oh, editor of a newspaper, I need a helicopter. No, you're not having one, we can't afford it. Oh, it's for personal reasons. Go on then. I think <laughs> that's because that's selling the fact that Perry knows who Superman is, and he knows that Lois knows. So it's not paper stuff, it's mm. Superman stuff. But Well, she definitely knows he, he has the connection to Superman, right? Because she's the one who uncovered him, she wrote the story about him. She leaked all the stuff in the first place to say he was an alien. So it was just like, yeah, okay, fine, I get it. You're going to try and save the city, take the helicopter. Mm. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, just another thing that annoyed me. Zack Snyder doesn't know how he feels about the end of Man of Steel. Because it starts with this being this god-awful catastrophe where thousands die. They don't get a number, just thousands. Mm-hmm. And it's really someone meant to feel like it's a big deal. Then the death tolls rise down to just just dozens for several floors of Wayne Tower being obliterated in the middle of the working day because no one thought to evacuate until the CEO says so. What? And so we think, well, it's a really serious thing. But then the first thing that happened in the fight is Doomsday smashes up the memorial, which is a big mm. fuck you to everyone who didn't like what happened in the first one. There's a bit of disdain for the criticism that he received for that film in 
sort of embedded in different parts of uh, yeah. So uh, there's the thing, and there's also the the big pain to say we're fighting the abandoned warehouse district, which kind of sounds like a really passive aggressive way of condescending to. Oh yeah, that's what you wanted. That's what you wanted. We'll do it that way then. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything more we can say really about Batman versus Superman. No. No. Go um, watch something else. You can actually fit a whole film in before the Batman versus Superman bit starts. You could nearly watch. You could nearly watch Deadpool twice, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that is our, our review of Batman versus Superman, and it's for this week's Fail Critics podcast. So thanks everybody for listening. Um, we'll be back next week, Owen, with a podcast. Yeah, a podcast. Yeah, that's all we need to know for now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so join me and Owen and whoever else is guesting with us next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. We'll just have a review without spoiling any major plot points. Okay. Then we'll just do the recommendations, have the end credits bit. We'll all say bye. But actually, stick around if you want to listen to us talk about the film in more depth with spoilers. And then have we'll a, just have, have a, a have a dig at Matt Lamborn. <laughs> yeah. Wait, who's Matt, Matt Lamborn? When we did Iron Man three, actually, he um didn't. He thought, oh, well, what's to spoil in Iron Man 3, really? It's just a comic book. <laughs> 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 and he kept listening. And then I'll say, and that's not the Mandarin. And it ruined the whole thing for him. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.